Welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. If you're ready to increase your confidence in conversations and conflict, deepen your self-awareness, expand your connectedness, and enrich your relationship with yourself and other humans you care about, and even those you wish you didn't, you're in the right place. Enjoy today's episode. Hello, I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler and welcome to this episode. One of the things I want to talk about and I haven't really spoken about before is a missing ingredient in relationships that aren't working. And this is so important. It's what you really need to have great relationships. One of the things you really need. You know, I talk about many things, the five relational gifts that I wrote about in my book, Kaizen for Couples. I talk about the three ingredients in any healthy relationship. These are very important, but one of them is the one I want to talk to you about today because most folks live and work and play with other people and we all need the skills to play nicely. So where do we get those skills and tools and what are they? It's not really rocket science to understand that our early training continues to play out in our lives. What we did in our families and what was done to us tends to be our baseline until we decide to consciously change our minds. And there are far too many people, believe me, I know I've been working as a relationship consultant for over 30 years. There are far too many people who spend their lives blaming their families for the present conditions of their lives. Now I'm going to talk about that. Don't jump into my skin for a moment. Sure, some people, me too, have been badly treated, even abused. And I'm not dismissing their pain in any way. Most folks, though, have not. And they may continue to hold on to a kind of if-only kind of mentality or they done re wrong mentality. And it's really something they're holding on to as a defense against moving forward in their lives. Now, again, I'm not downplaying the fact that there may have been verbal, emotional, physical, sexual, spiritual abuse in your home. I'm not talking to you in this little bit of this today. I'm talking to the people who were not in those nasty situations, but are being held back by some beliefs that they have. A convenient belief saying, well, if only I had been born in a different family, my life would be different. Because that can be very, very limiting. You can change your mind at any time. We all can. And in changing your mind, you can choose to play on your own team and be your own ally in creating the life you say you want. So ask yourself, do I ever let the old patterns I learned and observed in my family life infringe on my current relationship? Well, do you? I'll say it again. Do you ever let the old patterns you learned or observed in your family life infringe on your current relationship? 
Do you have a fear or an unwillingness to trust new folks on the basis of your history with other folks? Now, how is that working for you? Is it serving you well? I doubt it. You know, when couples come to me, and they do from all over the world because I work by video conferencing, one or both of them will complain about their partners comparing them to their last love or lover or wife or husband or partner. <clears throat> and usually that comparison is not favorable. I can think of one case that was particularly overt. The man complained that his partner was flaunting her sexuality at every man she met. He said she even spent too long chatting with the checkout person in the grocery store. In fact, longer than was necessary in his opinion, so he considered it flirting. And he said that when she bent down to choose groceries from the bottom shelf, she did it in a sexually aggressive way. You get that? <laughs> Having seen this woman in the community for several years, I hadn't noticed any overt sexuality on her part. Now think about that. He said that even when she bent down to get groceries from the bottom shelf, she did it in a sexually aggressive way. Do you have anyone in your life who perceives you that way? So as we worked together, it turned out, you probably guessed this by now, that his former wife ran off with another man. So his belief was that if only he'd been more vigilant for those little signs he was now hypervigilant of with his current partner, he would still be married to his first wife and at home with his children. Wow. So his current partner was in a no-win situation. Although she was now more conscious of everything she did, looking over her shoulder all the time, and feeling quite anxious and tense about her every move, there was really nothing she could do until this man took the pain of his past and last experience and left it behind with his former wife. Certainly you learn from experience. Hopefully you become wiser. It's unfair though, really unfair, to transfer one experience with one person to another experience with a new person in a paranoid fashion the way this fellow did. So wisdom, yes. Paranoia, no. To have rich, rewarding relationships with others as partners or co-workers, colleagues, or relatives even, you have to have a rich and rewarding relationship with yourself. It's that simple. So think about these things. Do you approve of yourself? If so, great. If not, what would you have to do to earn your own approval? Popular magazines will tell you that you must be your own best friend, but what does that mean? So stop and ask yourself, are you willing to do for yourself what you're willing to do for your friends? Some folks will put themselves out to do something for another person and yet they wouldn't get off the couch to do something for themselves. They may be more comfortable spending money on another than on themselves. They may go places that interest them with another person, but they won't go alone. 
I remember one person who told me that, and I asked her, if a movie's worth seeing, isn't it worth seeing alone? I mean, that was so ingra ingrained in her that you could only go to things that pleased you if you went with someone. So that just highlights this. Really great relationships begin with really great relationships with yourself. And there's another important ingredient, though. Before you say anything about your partner, coworker, relative, ask yourself if you are doing what you want them to do in the relationship. You know, my choice in my relationship is that I will not allow myself to complain about what my partner doesn't do if I'm not holding up my end of the relationship completely. When my side of this bargain is clean and clear and conscious, then I can bring something up. But if, in fact, I am still not in a good place with things and I haven't cleaned up my own act, I better work on myself first. That might have some meaning for you because life gets much easier when you are first sure that you are living up to your own expectations of other people. You get that? You need to live up to the expectations that you have of other people. And when you're living up to them, it's surprising how those other people seem to change or how much more compassion you have for them or understanding. The conversation you have with yourself is much more straightforward. Be sure you're doing what you expect others to do and that you have been demonstrating this behavior over some time. It's no fair pointing out that he or she needs to participate in an exercise program if you have not been demonstrating consistently that you value exercise. That's just dirty pool. No fair saying someone else is putting on weight and is unattractive unless you are taking care of you and you are not putting on weight. So why is this simple equation so often overlooked? It's because of a thing called projection. We get so afraid of what we fear about ourselves, that what, of what could be true about ourselves, or that we are afraid is true about ourselves, that we project our shortcomings on other people. And then we say, they're wrong. They're making a mistake. They're not good enough. They deserve to be judged. We project that on them. And it's not true. What we have to do is go and look in a mirror and see, am I really talking about myself? Now, when you're dealing with hijackles, which you know, I have another podcast called Save Your Sanity, Help for Handling Hijackles, which is all about helping you to understand the difference between a healthy, normal relationship with a healthy, normal person and dealing with a person who is relentlessly difficult and dedicated to hijacking the relationship for his or her own purposes and then scavenging it every day for power, status, and control. But for every one of us, we do need to be clean and clear and conscious with ourselves. So we project our shortcomings on others, usually because it's so much easier than taking responsibility for our own shortcomings and working on our own lives and getting our own houses in order. 
But that's what we need to do. So if you want really great relationships, you need to have a fantastic, honest relationship with yourself. And that's the best starting point you can possibly have. Another caveat though, if you're in a relationship with a hijackal, you need a few other things and you'll find them over at my Save Your Sanity podcast, wherever you enjoy getting your podcasts. So this is so important and I hope you really think about it. Your relationship with yourself is your relationship with everything. And it is so valuable to listen to this again if you need to and recognize that if you're looking outward all the time, you'll be finding fault. When you look inward, you can clean up a few things that will make you feel better about yourself and you will go out into the world with a different attitude and your relationships will improve. I know this may sound a little hard hitting, but it's so important and I want you to think about it. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. If I can help you, I'd love to. Visit me at 4relationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P.com. I look forward to talking with you soon. Take good care. Hello, and welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Very excited about my guest today. I'm learning more and more about him, finding more and more depth. This is really exciting. So welcome, Scott Schilling, to the show. Thank you. I am excited to be here. Let's talk relationships. Yes, indeed. Yes, we're going to do that for sure. Let me tell everybody a little bit about you. Scott Schilling is a significance expert. Let that settle in for a moment. And co-founder of U Plus One. He's going to tell us what that is. And he has an upcoming TV show by the same name. And it's about being committed to living a lifestyle of moments and memories. Interested? Me too. <laughs> he helps individuals and organizations systematically grow personally, professionally, financially, and spiritually. And he brings 35 plus years of experience and expertise to this. Scott wrote a wonderful book called Talking with Giants. He has a gift for you around that later. You'll find it in the show notes. So I'm delighted that you're here, Scott. So I'm going to ask you a big first question. Sure. When has it been necessary for you to really get in touch with your emotional savvy? Well, it, which time? Uh, it, it, the good news is uh, I think that's what we're doing pretty much our entire life if we're paying attention. If we ever take the observer role and look at our own lives, uh, I've had multiple major incidents in my life. Uh, first being when I was in college and playing a big 10 football, big college football, headed to the NFL, and I completely severed my Achilles tendon. I was told I'd never walk right again. I'd never play sports again. I got all the nevers. And so you had to really get in touch with who you were and what was important. I learned from that experience. Uh, had, got married, had two amazing kids, but got divorced very quickly. But had to learn from that experience. And now I've been married 23 years to my beautiful honey bear. Uh, uh, lived through a near-death experience. Uh, a full-blown cerebellum stroke, which mm. the cerebellum affects walking, everything. talking, memory, vertigo, everything. And by the grace of God, I walked through as an overachiever. And I made it through a near-death experience. So um, life is about 
continually uh, working through the emotional issues and the things that come across your path. Well, it's so true. Um, you know, we have some things in common because I've certainly walked through some too. And um, we develop our emotional savvy as we go, but we have a basis of it sometimes in our early life. And other times we just missed that. We didn't get it and we have to develop it. So it's a bit like jumping off a cliff and developing your strategy on the way down. So let me just ask about your stroke. And when you had that massive event in your life, how long did it take you to find the resilience? Was it immediate or did you have to go through some time before you found the resilience to say, no, I don't have to believe what's being told me. I can do differently. Well, it's, it's actually um, quite interesting. Uh, the back deck of my uh, SUV hit me in the back of the head and dissected a vessel in my brain. And it was really eight days after that that I threw the cerebellum stroke. Oh. Uh, they, they took me to the emergency room and five hours later, they released me with a major migraine. Oh, no. Oh, I actually no. went on set and I shot three TV shows the next morning. Oh, God. And, and it wasn't until 48 hours after the event when they had done a, an MRI, they said, get your butt to the hospital, check into ICU, you've had a stroke. Oh. Then I spent six days in intensive care. So um, I'm convinced they weren't trying to keep me alive. They were trying to figure out why I was alive. <laughs> <laughs> but the good news is I am. I'm just an overachiever. Well, you know, I, I think that you are more, much, much more than an overachiever. And I'll tell you why I say that, Scott, because for you to have the ability to say, I can hear this information about all the downside potential of what's happened to me. Am I going to believe it? Or am I going to say that's one opinion, that's one frame to look at it from, but I can choose a different one. And apparently you chose a different one, didn't you? Very much so. You know, they, they, um, it was, I don't, I don't wish this upon anybody to learn this piece of knowledge, but when you're in the emergency room with a stroke, they come to you with five pieces of paper and they call it the stroke test. Mm -hmm. and, and you have to look at what's on the paper and tell them this is how they're judging you. And so they showed me the stroke test. I took it the first time and, and I told them exactly what was on it. And an hour later, they walked back in and she had the pages turned uh, to, towards the floor. And I said, would you like to know what's on the first page? And she said, sure. I said, well, it's a lady sitting at her sink washing her, uh, washing her dishes as the water's overflowing onto the floor. There's a bird chirping outside. The little, <laughs> her son is up on a three-legged school reaching for the cookies. Her, his sister is down below crying and the stool's about to topple over. And she looked at it and she went, How did, what? <laughs> it, it, was, it was actually one of the funniest things you could ever see is that and so then she went i said you want the second page it's a couch it's a cactus it's a this to this day i know those things so isn't it funny how their expectation was mm -hmm. i wouldn't be able to recognize anything on the paper and i said no this is what i do is, is i look at things and i remember things uh, when i'm speaking to audiences that's i remember people's faces i remember their names I, you know and so 
why should a stroke keep me from doing that? You know, it's, it's so interesting what you said about expectations, because I think as we're going to be speaking about relationships and trust building and things in, in relationships, so much of it is about expectations. You know, mm-hmm. you think that you have to know what another person's thinking or feeling or needing and wanting. You don't. You don't have to have an expectation that it's going to be one way. You can actually be open-minded or open-hearted and learn and be curious about the person. So this person was probably quite stunned because she already had you in a box of he's not going to know anything. Then you say, nope, breaking out of that box. So how long did it take them to become aware that you were not their average patient? Uh well, I was in the emergency room for five hours, and then they released me with a major migraine. Now, I knew it was worse than that. I mean, but I couldn't, I actually had friends in there with me that said, will you fail one of these tests? They're going to let you go. And I said, I can't, how do I know how to fail it? I mean, all I'm doing is answering the questions. And so, but that when when they released me and I went back to my hotel room and I knew my head was, I mean, right. the pain, the pain was unbearable. Mm. And, and I laid there and I cried out, God help. And I heard an audible drop to your knees. So I did. And I prayed and I didn't get back up into bed. I climbed onto a cloud, total mm. peace. Uh, zero pain, fell straight asleep. It was absolutely amazing. And I uh, got up the next day, shot three TV shows. Then I went to the neurologist again, and that's when they did the MRI and said, get to the hospital, check into ICU. So, you know, it was a matter of, I knew it wasn't right, but I, I cried out to my source for help mm-hmm. and uh, amazing comfort. Amazing. Okay, so let's take that, which is a very pivotal experience, and I'm sure everybody listening is on the edge of their chair to know how we're going to turn this into a conversation about emotional savvy. But, you know, this whole expectation piece, the expectation that you had, you know, not I'm done for, but I need a little help here. But, you know, we got this. Together we have this. I mean, big difference. It's all in the way that we start out. What are we expecting? What is our foundation? So there are a lot of people who get into relationships and they've come from places that maybe they were very loving, wonderful homes and they move into a relationship. They're expecting wonderful and loving and trusting and honest and everything. Um, And sometimes that doesn't happen. And other people have been from homes where there was no trust or love or cherishing or nurturing or anything at all. And they have a different expectation. They're longing for there to be something better. Now, whether this relationship is a marriage relationship or a business relationship or whatever, it doesn't matter. We've learned about relationships and we build our expectations. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that when you wrote your book, Talking with Giants, as you spoke with people, you learned the difference between those two sets of beginning expectations. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think that the biggest part is that, um, so even in my prayer, 
when I when I cried out to source, my my prayer was, I don't believe you're calling me home, and I don't believe you're going to maim me or disable me. So I'm choosing to believe that this is to allow me to help others for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And so it was the exact same when I was talking to the, the, the folks that I interviewed for Talking with Giants, Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen, Harv Ecker, uh, Cynthia Kersey. You know, it's like every one of you has been tremendously successful. And for the most part, there's some a little bit of rising from the ashes kind of story in many people's lives. But what you find out is is those type of people who have been through those all of a sudden have a desire or or there's a bent on giving back mm-hmm. on yes. doing more on yeah. serving right mm-hmm. and so and that's really where the crux of talking with giants is generosity builds prosperity not the other way around you give and you prosper you don't give to prosper but the natural byproduct of giving is prospering yeah, and I think too, you know, the distinction that I want to talk to you about because you're you're listed as a significance expert. I think there is a huge gap between successful and significant. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And so significance really speaks to what you're saying now is that all right, you can have all the money in the world, speak on all the stages in the world, be on every television in the world and you may be successful. But you may be empty. You may be in a condition that can't even sustain a good relationship. So you may have success. But we want to move towards significance. And I've written about this a lot too, Scott. And I think that becoming significant is such an internal journey. Because it means you're going to live in alignment with your values. And in order to do that, you have to know what they are. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so I, you know, I have a lot of books and things and I say to people, all right, let's start with this. Even in the University of Texas in Dallas, I teach negotiation in the MBA program. And I start by teach, saying to them, in order to be an excellent negotiator, you have to know exactly who you are as a human. So we're going to start there. And the puzzled expression on their faces, is saying, what has that got to do with it? I, it's theory. It's, it's things that I can learn. There's steps. There's formulas. There's blueprints. All I have to do is ace that stuff, and I'll get everything I want. And no, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that at all. Who are you? What are you willing to accept and and give? And how are you going to be perceived, especially in long-term situations where you're going to negotiate frequently, maybe with vendors or uh, clients or whatever? And at the end of the program, invariably, several of the students will say to me, this has changed my life. I had no idea what my values were. And I have them over the weeks keep a values um, page, which I call their Kaizen Journal, because I wrote a book called Kaizen for Couples. And their Kaizen Journal, how am I doing on a scale of 10? You know, how fair was I today if that's one of my values? And then they begin to see how they can apply negotiation theory to who they are to be the leader they want to be. And I think that applies to every one of us in our lives, too. 
is that we want to be a leader, no matter what that means. We want to be a leader in our own lives and then be able to do that. So we have to be able to trust ourselves. So let's get around to that word trust. Okay. Is How do you come to trust yourself in your opinion, Scott? Well, the, the reality is, uh, and I haven't taught this since yesterday. So, uh, <laughs> not people, fresh at all. Not fresh at all. People do business with those they know, like, and trust. People date those, those they know, like, and trust. People marry those they know, like, and trust. People divorce those they don't trust. Everything is about, in a relationship, is about trust. And trust is hard to earn and easily lost. Mm-hmm. And so, trust. When the question is specifically, how do you learn to trust yourself? Well, learning to trust yourself is about congruence. Uh, and, and so, you know, many, it's funny because somebody said yesterday from stage, you know, I was in that fake it till you make it stage. Right. Well, that's, you're fooling yourself. Mm-hmm. You're not there. It's okay to not make it yet. It's okay to be on the path to making it. It's okay to be on the journey to making it. But I trust myself that I'm taking steps on a daily basis to improve and get better. Now, that's congruent in trust. Mm -hmm. But if I fake it till I make it, I can't even trust myself. No. I want to jump in on that one, Scott, because this trusting yourself is so important because I want to go back to something you just said. You say, I date someone I know I can trust and I love someone I know I can trust. And this is where our fields of expertise are going to come together in this moment. Because if you have not been able to trust your parents, Mm -hmm. then you have this great desire to have a person you can trust. And that's what causes the problem of rose-colored glasses. You go into a dating relationship or a work situation or a marriage, and you've got the rose-colored glasses on, so you fail to see the red flags. Mm -hmm. So you don't really trust yourself to calibrate it, nor can you trust yourself to calibrate it. And you learn that because, of course, things don't go well, and then you have to regroup. But what you have to then go back and say is, whoa, did I ever learn to trust myself or was I always trusting something else, somebody else and hoping that person was going to give me what I needed in order to know who I am and trust myself. And I think that people do marry people that they know and like and hope they can trust. Right. (laughs) Um, But often it is the rose-colored glasses phenomenon and so how can a person build trust within themselves? Well, I think it's about congruence. I think you said it earlier when you were talking about getting to know thyself, you know, getting to know yourself and, mm-hmm. and who you are and what you really want, what, what makes you tick. Um, I do uh, uh, personality assessments. I do uh, for both selling and buying as an example. Well, those are good indicators. Uh, really understanding again what do you what do you want out of life you know you talked earlier about you know why am the, is the moniker the success uh, is the significance expert success puts you on the hamster wheel of life you know you have the success and then it's like I got to get another one I got to get another one but significance is the meaning behind the success and so it's really about the movement towards meaning well, if you're, if you're on a consistent 
desire to search out that and make that movement towards meaning, that's how you learn to trust yourself. What's really important to you? What are, where are your values? If you don't have values, you're going to, you're going to accept somebody, what somebody else places upon you. Mm-hmm. Let me jump in there because yep. I don't want us to get too far down the road, <laughs> but if you trust your values, that's a huge statement mm-hmm. because so many people don't trust themselves. You know, they don't have a sense of it's okay for me to like this and not want that in my life. It's okay. It doesn't make me good or bad or right or wrong. It just means I'm an individual who likes this, doesn't like that, wants more of this, doesn't want that. And that level of trust, just to be able to say, okay, you know, How many people write a profile for a dating site from the point of view of trying to say, I'm everything you want, as opposed to saying, here's who I am, and here's what I want, and if you want and like that too, I think that we could be good together. I totally agree with you. It's so interesting. I I heard somebody from stage yesterday I think there were three words said that weren't cuss words. And, I mean, it was, uh, it was as offensive as anything I have ever heard, quite seriously. But then they finished it with, and if you don't like me, and then a couple more cuss words, right? Exactly. And, and you sit there and say, okay, you're well within your right to have that opinion of yourself. Now the question is, does it make sense to share it in that way to other people? I mean, I can, I can agree to disagree, you know, with somebody like that. So again, I don't, there's, there's one thing about trusting who you are and what makes you up and all that, but there's another about trying to impose it onto somebody else. Exactly. That's not my job. My job is to to be the best me I can be. Uh, let me, what just intuitively came to me, I coach and teach intuitively, is as a sales guy, I don't ever want to sell you anything, but I always want you to buy a lot from me. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it's incumbent upon me to create an environment for you to buy. What that really means when you break it down is, I want you to want what I have. I want you to want who I am. Mm -hmm. Now, if I know that I'm going to offend people, who's going to want that? I'm, I'm, I'm already hurting myself. It makes no sense to me. Now, everybody's got the opportunity to choose whichever path they want to go on. I can tell you that's not mine. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. I had I was actually um, filling out an application form because someone wanted me to have me on their show. And one of the boxes says, how comfortable are you with the F word? And I wrote, um, if you use it, that's fine. I won't be using it, you know, <laughs> just right. not not in my vocabulary, um, except if something absolutely awful happens and 25 pounds falls on my foot, that could happen. <laughs> Um, but I think that you know what you were what you were talking about is exactly what we do when we're looking at a relationship. I want you to know who I am so that you will know if you want to be with me, which is right. you want to buy from me. 
And in the work that I do, particularly on my other podcast, Saving Your Sanity, um, we have people in our world who are just wanting to sell you whatever they can, take your money and run. And in the same way, they want to sell you on themselves so that they can, you know, emotionally violate and rape you. You know, so it's very important for us to be very wise in our ability to calibrate whether we could trust another human being. So it's not just what they're selling. It's our ability to decide if we want to buy it. So how do you develop that other side of the equation, Scott? Well, again, I think it comes down to congruence. You know, your actions speak so loudly, I can't hear the words you're saying. Mm -hmm. You know, so often we, we see people who... Um, I mean, I present a lot of products. I do. I present. I train people how to have conversations, how to develop relationships. But it's you know one of the things, and I presented this yesterday. You have to be authentic. I can't be you. You can't be me. You have to be who you are authentically. You have to take the fourteen-inch journey from your head to your heart. Yes. It's not intellectual or tactical. It's strategic and relational. Yeah, uh, you've got to be on purpose. My life purpose statement to inspire and empower others to serve humanity through living their life's purpose in spirit, love and joy. So when you ask if I'd be a guest, well, let me run it through the filter to inspire and empower others to serve humanity. Yes, we're going to do that in spirit, love and joy. Awesome. I'm in. Mm -hmm. And then the last is expressing your passion. Be passionate about it. If it doesn't make, I mean, I, it's so funny. I opened up a conversation with a guy today that I had just met. And I said, so what makes your heart go pitter-pat? <laughs> I mean, what are you passionate about? Yes. Right? And the question I ask people, even if I know them well, I'll say, so what, you're, what are you most excited about today? Mm -hmm. And there's always that moment, Scott. And I'm sure you experienced it too where the person goes, what? You know, that, that I wasn't expecting that, and I'm not sure I know the answer. And I find people, because my work is with the partners, exes, adult children, and co-workers of hijackles, these relentlessly difficult people in life, people always say to me, well, you know, doesn't that make you tired? Doesn't that wear you out? I know, you know, it's what gets me up in the morning, floats my boat, and flips my skirt. <laughs> I want to stop people from tolerating mm -hmm. abuse. Simple. You know, I think it's awesome. And, and so if I can talk with you and say, did you know that's abusive? Did you know that you don't have to be able to put up with that? You're not even required to put up with that. Do you know that you're allowed to say no to something? And then, you know, of course, it's way more complex than that when you're dealing with a hijackal because those people are very manipulative. They're very mm -hmm. devious. They're very focused on themselves and they want what they want and they want it then and they have to win. But, you know, building some level of trust in ourselves to say, okay, let me stop and take stock of my life again. Find out what my mm -hmm. values are. What's my vision for my life? How would I like it to look and feel? What are my beliefs about everything? Not only my spiritual beliefs, but how do I believe money works or how the world works or the economy works or my town works or whatever works? And then what are my next best steps, whether they're purposes, goals, or, or the next thing I need to do in a relationship? But if we don't spend time being self-reflective, we'll never trust ourselves. Do you agree with that? Totally. I, you know, it's, it's funny 
I've been very blessed to do well over 2,000 live events. And one of the things that I've always asked for is feedback. And for whatever reason, when you do a lot uh, of events, you know, people tend not, who am I to share a piece of information with? Well, don't you understand the only way we as human beings can continue the desire and the ability to get better is to hear about what we could get better at. Yeah. You know, if we, if we don't, if you don't know how to uh, improve, how are you going to improve? And so again, that's part of that trust thing, I think, is I don't ever want to offend anybody knowingly. Now, have I ever offended anybody? I'm sure I have, you know, but I would actually rather have them go, you know, that was not exactly what I wanted to hear. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, and then because now you can mold yourself again, your actions speak so loudly, I can't hear the words you say. Don't tell me, show me. Mm -hmm. And I would add to this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like you, I used to be on the road speaking all the time, you know, people all over the world. And I would say this, there's the most important thing that I can teach anyone is one thing. And it, it, plays very nicely with what you just said. And that is the truth is what you do. Mm -hmm. So no matter what you actually say, always look to whether it's backed up with behavior. And when you're observing another human, look to see if what they're saying is backed up with behavior. And if it's not, believe the behavior. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the ways that we can come into some kind of congruence with ourselves is we can say, you know, well, I believe and I am loving, warm, wonderful, generous human being. Okay, take a moment and reflect. In the last seven days, how many times have I been wonderful, warm, loving, and generous, right? And where's the evidence and reality for that? And that's when we can begin to calibrate Am I really in congruence? And what could I do to move toward that? So I absolutely love this conversation, Scott, because we're moving from being able to find that trust within ourselves to be able to offer that to other people as a trustworthy human, but also to be able to calibrate whether or not I could trust others. So I'm just so glad that you were joining us today. I know that you've trained millions millions and billions and gazillions of people in so many ways and that you do teach them to sell in integrous ways which is a wonderful thing but you have so much to offer from a personal point of view and i'm so glad you shared some of that with us today thank you oh my pleasure you know it's it's always an honor to take what you've done and be able to share it with others to serve them Yes, it is. And I want everyone to know where to find you, although it's all in the show notes and you can find the link to Scott's gift talking with giants in the show notes. So you can be sure to get that, but go to scottshilling.com. That's Scott, S-C-O-T-T-S-C-H-I-L-L-I-N-G.com. He's got so many facets to who he is and what he does, and you're going to want to and just look at everything there. So thanks again, Scott. Could you leave us with one piece of wisdom you'd like us to think about? Well, you know, this has been so great and our time has gone so fast. I think it's just be true to yourself and, and really understand that you can live whatever life you can imagine. So just don't hold back. Go live for it. it. Have fun and live in joy. Yes, and you certainly have done that. 
and uh, you know you kind of remind me of a cat so <laughs> we all know what that means so my guest today has been scott Schilling. i'm dr roberta shelley the relationship help doctor and you've been listening to emotional savvy we have great guests every week just like scott Schilling. so be sure to be with us or go back and listen to all the podcasts that are available for you wherever you enjoy finding your podcast. Talk soon. Thanks for being here for today's episode of Emotional Savvy. If you want to deepen your emotional savvy, make shifts in your relationships, and enjoy life and relationships more, Work with me, Dr. Roberta Shaler. Get my books, enjoy my courses, or work with me directly. You can do that by visiting forrelationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P.com, and subscribe to Tips for Relationships now. Don't miss a thing. Be empowered this week with more emotional savvy.